This is The Immigrant View, a podcast for immigrants by immigrants. Welcome to the show. The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantNetworks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Immigrant View. And my name is Ayo Oweduni. I'm really excited uh, to be here with you for part two of this two-part podcast. Last week, we started out with Dr. Georgette Zanati, uh, MBA, MSc, DBA, Executive Vice President at Corporate Class Incorporated. If you've not listened to the first part of this podcast, I strongly suggest you go back to last week's podcast and listen to it. Uh, a lot of great research and data just talking about, um, you know, challenging diversity and inclusion assumptions and what can be done to be able to help women, especially immigrant women, uh, because that's the lens that we're coming from through this podcast, uh, to be able to just grow, develop, soar uh, in whatever industry and career that they choose. The title of the book is called why not you challenging, uh, that was my accent that came up there, challenging, there is a bus stop in Nigeria called Challenge, so uh, that's always, uh, that's always taking a stop at the bus stop as you're reading the book. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, people say, I have a challenge, and people go, challenge is only a bus stop, it's not a problem. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's become part of the inspirational speakers in Nigeria. Challenge is a bus stop. So anyway, challenging, not the bus stop, but the actual word, challenging diversity and inclusion assumptions. Dr. Georgia, a pleasure having you again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. In our previous episode or podcast, we talked about the glass ceiling. We talked about Uh, the Norway quota. We talked about communal traits, uh, the power of that. We talked about the glass cliff. Um, We also looked at the queen bee uh, as well. And um, so please go back and listen to that. A lot of great concepts that uh, we've learned. And by the way, if you are interested in purchasing the book, uh, please visit, um, I don't know how to say this word, few women. Women. Okay, woowomen.com. So that's w-h-e-w-women.com. Once again, w-h-e-w-women.com, and you can purchase the book. Before we even dive into what we want to talk about today, uh, you had mentioned while we were just just in between about um, the women empowerment, um, the non-for-profit. Can you talk about that, the benefit for women and how can they sign up to be a part of it? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a labor of love, as I said to you, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I care deeply about is giving back. I'm at a point in my life where we just really wanted to create something that supports other women and particularly marginalized women, you know, women from different communities, especially when they're coming up. So if you sign up for Woo, Women Helping Empower Women on that website, not only can you purchase the book if you wish, um, but you can also sign up with us as a member. And what that allows you is access to webinars, training sessions, networking events, uh, being able to connect with anybody on the team and the board. And uh, almost everything that we do is free. And I say almost just because if we have an in-person event uh, somewhere at a location, 
all we would expect is if you know if you're at a venue we have to just download the cost obviously of whatever venue it is but we everything is non we're a nonprofit so we're just there to break even the other thing that we have on our website is a program for women specifically um, called wise which stands for women innovators shakers and entrepreneurs and i encourage anyone who is either volunteering or has got a business um, and it's free again and the goal of that program is really to amplify your voices recognize the great work that you're doing um, and shine a light on anything that you are doing. So if you're a small business or a startup or someone that's doing work, please send in an application, it's free. Um, and those that get selected are gonna be put on our website, will be shared in our social networks on LinkedIn. And if you look at the board members, you'll see we're really well connected. Uh, and our hope is to have a celebration in the coming months and bring people together and really recognize those that get shortlisted. And again, free. So you don't have to pay to apply. You don't have to pay to do anything. Really, our hope is just to pay it forward, shine a light, lift the voices, and really amplify all the great work that you're doing. Because we know many of these organizations and women who are studying don't have a lot of resources. So this is our way of just giving back. Fantastic. It makes me happy and warms my heart. And that's why we do it. Fantastic. Okay, so we're diving back into the book, Why Not You? And we are going to be at page 40 at this point. We're talking about mentorship versus sponsorship. Oh, yes. So one of the interesting findings reaffirmed by my own research is how much focus there was on mentorship of women to the point where women commented on being mentored to death. Mentored to death. Yes. On the other hand, for the men who experienced a positive career trajectory, it was less about the mentorship they received and more about the sponsorship. Correct. Now, thinking about intersectionality at this point and the person, uh, the people that we're talking to, so not just women, now we're talking about immigrant women who yeah. probably have a strong accent as well. Uh, they're going into the workforce, very educated, very experienced, coming from the different countries. How do you balance the mentorship and the sponsorship um, if you're someone that is, and there's so many programs nowadays that are there to help mentor women. They're there to help with uh, with your resume and coaching and helping you with the, develop your English speaking skills. I believe YMCA alone has like 27 programs or something. I was like, what? <laughs> All for immigrants? That is crazy. So there are so many programs, but how do you balance that mentorship concept with the sponsorship? And can you define both for those that don't know what it is? Yeah, so the mentorship, they're very different actually. So the mentorship is more like, the, as you were talking about, the coaching, the helping, you know, um, kind of guiding you along. So if if I was mentoring someone, I'd say, you know, if you're preparing for an interview, these are things you want to be thinking about. So it's more like the coaching, the preparing, the guiding you through. OK, the sponsorship happens much more um, strategically. So if I'm in an organization and I'm, you and I are working together, OK, so we're at a company working together and I'm going to sponsor you, I.O., what, what would happen is in a case like that is say there's a, an opportunity and I'm an executive and you're up and coming and I think you have potential. I would say, you know, there's this great project coming up. I think I would be great for it. And someone might say, well, we're not sure if he's ready. So you know what? I think he's got a lot of potential. I've seen him. He's, he's, been, he's worked with me on this. I've seen him work with one other colleague on this particular project. I'd like to give him an opportunity to be on this project. I think he's got potential. Let's try him out on this particular project for six months to a year and see how he does, right? So what I'm doing is advocating for you mm-hmm. and opening a door. 
Okay, Dr. Georgette, I think I'm losing you, so I'm going to shut off my video. Okay. I think I'm losing. I'm going to shut off my video so we can hear you better. Okay. And possibly shut mine off too, actually. And I shut up mine off as well. Okay. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I I would say that is the way to do it. So that's really what sponsorship is really more about is when you're, you've got someone who's actually advocating for you. And when I talk about championship, it's when someone is advocating for you, I when you're not in the room. So it's someone saying, you know, I was really terrific. He's great. He's got potential X, Y, and Z. So for women, and it doesn't matter what background you're from, even if you're an immigrant woman, when you're in an organization, and you're new to a country and you're working through a company, say you're at a bank or whatever it is, it's great to be mentored. But when while you're being mentored, if there is someone who is in a position higher than you that, that is mentoring you, the question then becomes, can they also become a sponsor for you? So mm-hmm. can they, through that mentorship process, can you turn that relationship? Is there someone like that is one-on-one that is willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna take this woman under my wing and I'm going to, you know, put her forward and suggest for her. So for example, you know, I have a young woman that I mentor, but I also sponsor her. So, you know, I'm speaking at the World Diversity Conference coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I have done for this person, I thought she's doing great work, right? So they've got this um, organization. It's a startup space for black founders. Uh, what she's done is just amazing. So one of the things that it was actually reached out to the organizations that I think she would be great on a panel or as a speaker, they've given her her own session. Wow. And she's going to be talking about what, what Nobellum is doing on a national scale. She's wow. 31, 32 years old, right? But that's also talking about being a champion, being an ally to another community, moving out of the way so that people are, you're able to let someone shine. Right. Mm-hmm. That's called sponsorship. That's called advocacy. That's actually called using my place of privilege that I have to be able to do that. Uh, and, and that's that's why it's so important. So mentorship would be like, you know, here's what I think you could do. You know, maybe slow down a little bit when you speak, uh, present more this way. Uh, you know, maybe wear, wear this to the interview, uh, whereas sponsorship is really working hard to advocate. Fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, page 56, you talk about mommy tracking yeah so there is a term mommy tracking referring to women who are at that age where they may want to have children right this is where bias comes into play Mm -hmm. so let's say joanna and joe are both rising stars in a company and both equally qualified and the organization has a three to four year project that needs to needs a lead to oversee it both joanna and joe would be great but who do they give the projects to lead Joanna just got married and she may want to have children soon. And if she gets pregnant, she might take a one-year maternity leave. And if so, that is at least a year of quote-unquote disruption. So while no one will say this publicly or out loud, or they might be sued for that, Joanna may be unconsciously mommy-tracked and Joe may get this assignment. As a woman, how can you avoid mommy-tracking? Is it possible? So I think a few things, part of it is having, uh, so is it possible? It's a good question. Depends on the organization you work for and how sophisticated they are. So I'm a big fan on doubling down on potential. In fact, the way I think this should be done is if someone is a star and you know they're a star because of their performance. Like if, if I have been, you know, ranked as a star in every job I've been in, my reviews have been outstanding, my goals have been met and I decide to have a baby. So rather than putting me back in the job I was in, I think I should come back to the promotion I would have been in regardless. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I, and I know that's not conventional thinking, but the reason I think that should happen is if I was a man, I would have gotten that promotion regardless. And you can't have the baby. I'm the only one that can have the baby right now, unless, you know, science changes. So why am I getting penalized for that? Because mm-hmm. the world has to continue, right? So, uh, so part of that, what ends up happening is, and I'm not saying, you know, people mean that, but I guarantee you this happens at a subconscious level where people go, well, we need this project. And if it was between you and me and I was more qualified and we we're about, you know, whatever, who are they going to put on the job? The person that might like, might disrupt the project, even though I'm going to be really great. And then they're going to have to accommodate and they're going to have to backfill for the role. And then they're going to, and they're going to, and I might come back. I might not come back. What if I really fall in love with this baby? Am I going to take a year? Am I going to take 18 months? Or do you just give it to you? Maybe you're not as great as I am in terms of what I say, think I could do for, but they're going to have steady state. Hmm. So they're going to do what's in the best interest of them, not what's in the best interest of me. And that's going to happen at an unconscious level, maybe at a conscious one quietly. Uh, And so what can we women do to disrupt it? I mean, so many times women often will keep quiet until late. Uh, I remember being pregnant with my last child and I didn't really come out until I was about five and a half, almost six months pregnant because I wasn't really showing that much. Um, And I remember people were being surprised, but I got another job at that point. And I was considered actually shortlisted for a job. This is a true story, shortlisted for a job. And by the time they actually offered me the job, I was six months pregnant. And the person hiring was a female. And uh, her response was, you know, I really think you should focus on your children and family first. Wow. Yeah. So basically she took me out of the equation and uh, she said, you know, it's up to you, but but I'm going to tell you, she had spent... Uh, several months trying to get me to apply for the job had HR call me and say why have you not applied yet she really wants you for this position really wants you for this position when eventually but the reason I hadn't applied was because I I kind of knew and I thought I said to her I would take a really short mat leave so you know in Canada we get a year I was prepared to take three months which was short but I knew she needed the help and I was kind of would make arrangements at home it was like yeah think you should focus on your family and I remember thinking wow this was from another woman who was a visible minority giving me that feedback despite the fact that she had spent months trying to get me to apply and told me she wanted me for the job the minute she found I was pregnant she was no longer interested in me oh so so we know what happens we know what happens um and it's again it's what do you want to call it? misogyny, sexism, whatever you want to call it. So, it, and, and, and it's, uh, it's, 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 there's nothing I think we, we can do too much about it. And I really was not showing that much, but it's an experience that happened. And I'm sure it happens to way more women than we realize. Um, so it depends on how progressive the organization is and how much they're willing to accommodate. And if they're going to put their money where their mouth is when mm-hmm. they talk about you know, inclusion. Wow. That is such a, that's such a powerful story. Wow. And yeah, it was worse because I mean, you know what? It was almost, I could have almost digested it better if it was an older guy. Like, you know what right. I mean? It was almost right. like I could say, oh, well, he just didn't know it was an old, but from a woman who was like a visible minority, who was supposedly an advocate for other women, that was kind of like, wow. That was yeah. an, definitely an aha moment, I'll tell you that. Oh, man. Thanks for sharing that. If you go into chapter nine of the book, um, it's titled Our Stories, Our Truth, Our Journeys. Yes. And um, because of time, we're not going to go through 
you know, all those stories, but I love what you put here. This chapter is dedicated to the many women who have faced microaggressions, challenges, bullying, queen bees, uh, just like the story you just shared and a lot more in the workplace. Despite these experiences, they persevered, they remained strong and continued to focus on the positive. They didn't see challenge because they realized that challenge is only a bus stop in, that's right in Nigeria. <laughs> I love that. That's right. That's right. I'm never gonna forget that now. That's gonna be my new line. <laughs> Can you share one winning story? Uh, one that I like is um, I mean you don't have to share this one. Whichever one that you feel uh, would be a great one. But Sandra Scotia Bank. Maybe I shouldn't have said the bank, but um, just one story that really you felt this is like this is why not you the theme <laughs> yeah yeah there's so many stories in here i'll be honest um and uh i think you know i was saying to you earlier there was one particular um one that uh and i think resonated particularly uh given the news that was happening uh with uh, jennifer valentine and uh, so I don't know if, if listeners were have, have been aware, but Jennifer Valentine is a woman that's uh, that was a very well known in Canada, anyway, in the Canadian landscape on television, on radio, uh, as a television personality, radio personality. She's been in the business 25 some years. She's a journalist, actually went to school for journalism. Um, and uh, about two, three weeks ago, I think, posted something on Facebook that went viral. And it was her 12 minute video talking about the sexism, the ageism, the discrimination, gender-based discrimination that she faced in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so she's now filed a complaint with the Human Rights Commission uh, as a result of it. And, and some of the things that happened, uh, and if you sort of listen to the video, and it's very, very powerful, actually, it's very moving. Um, and what was interesting for me was I actually was using that video as part of the case study in, in one of the sessions I was doing training in, and it was with an HR group uh, at an organization. And what shocked me was how many women actually shared similar stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the stories that's in the book, um, you know, in, in chapter nine, was a story um, that, you know, that resonated and, 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 you know, one certainly I experienced myself as, and as a young person working uh, in an academic institution many years ago when I was much younger and um, having, you know, it was, it was somebody who was a tenured faculty, uh, very senior. Um, and I just remember it very making me very uncomfortable, very inappropriate comments multiple times. And this was before cell phones and things where you could tape people <laughs> or videotape, you know, all of these things. And um, and I remember actually going to the HR person and saying, like, this is what's happening. And, and he said, well, what, what would you like to do? And I said, well, what are my options? And, you know, the, the reality was I was uh, an admin assistant, like, a, you know, I was, I've been around for a little while, but I was, I was not in a senior leadership role. Right. And the reality was how that would have played out would not have been well. You know, it was kind of like what Jennifer says, which is you have to either suck it up or either, either you leave, you leave your place of employment. And I was the major breadwinner and I had a career there. So either I would quit working or I suck it up and just avoid the guy like the plague, which is what I did. Wow. Um, so it was a very uncomfortable and luckily he was not my boss or anything like that. So uh, I would just see him in, in, in spits. And you know, it was interesting even talking to these women when I was doing this workshop, 
you know, I remember saying to them, you know, my concern was less about me even when I think back about it, it was about all of these other individuals that he would have interacted with. I was thinking about all of the other female the students, like, you know, you sort of wonder, like, if you'd filed something, who else would have come out of the woodwork? But with Me Too, maybe now that would be different. Back then, I'm not sure anyone would have done or said anything. So, right. uh, but it, it is, you know, it does change you in so many ways. Um, I will say when I had a voice and I got into senior leadership roles, I certainly used it, as you know. Uh, but at that time, it was, you just sucked it up and kind of thought, you know, God, I hope I'm never in a room with him by myself. Oh, that is so sad. You know, there is this concept called systems of change that talks about, you know, key, uh, I like to call it hidden currents um, that hold back your DEI initiatives and work. And power and influence is such a crucial aspect of it. People that have certain types of powers uh, or influence within the organization can hold DEI back, yeah. you know, and can stop it or because they've done quote unquote, so well in their careers, the company doesn't want to lose them. That's exactly right. Exactly. So you have a situation where they don't want to lose them, but they still want this DEI initiative. You can't have both um, because you hold so much back at the end of the day. Really, really just sad and and painful. Well, but I I was just going to say, but but I I was also going to say, you know, and and we talked about this a little bit and and the role of HR, right? Because one of the things I was asking the group in my session was what what responsibility does HR actually have in this, right? Because I went to HR, Jennifer Valentine went to HR. And then you sort of think, well, you know, you have to remember that HR, you know, with all due respect to them, they're, they're in a very tenuous place because they're trying to kind of minimize risk and responsibility. But at the same time, they're trying to help you but really they actually don't work for you. They work for the organization. And so, you know, whatever experience you may have had, Io, like we know at the end of the day, like it's who pays them. It's not, you know, they're mitigating risk. Mm -hmm. Very true. You're so right. Okay. Because of time, uh, we're going to round up, but thank you so much. This is awesome. Once again, the book is called Why Not You? You can get it at, oh, here's that word again. Wow, women. Woo women, women.com, women helping empower women. Why, why is my brain just shut off once it looks at it? W-H-E-W women.com. Once again, W-H-E-W women.com. This is a great uh, book that you can definitely learn a lot from, uh, a lot of research that you can go through. You would have no doubts in your mind the challenges um, just based on uh, the, the detail of, of research. Dr. Georgette, if people are looking to reach you, contact you, they have questions, how can they reach you? Uh, they can definitely find me on our website, which is www.whewomen.com, uh, or you can email me directly at drgeorgettezanati.com, all lower uh, level, and it's just dr, first name, last name, dot, dot com sorry, at gmail.com, I should get my email right. So it's drgeorgettezanati at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram and or LinkedIn and connect with me that way and I'd be happy to get in touch with them and answer any questions they have. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to turn back on my video, but I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. This was awesome. This was fun. It was a great learning experience. And I do hope that um, the uh, women that are listening in are that are looking to come into the country as well. You've learned a great deal of some of the challenges that you could be facing, but also we're providing tools 
for you to be able to navigate. Um, information is power. You can't afford ignorance uh, when you've sacrificed a lot to come here. So we're doing the best that we can to inform you, inspire you. Remember, challenge is just a bus stop. I love it. And thank you. Actually, can I just say thank you to you so much for this opportunity and this platform that you use to, you know, amplify people's voices and to provide education and to have these difficult conversations because these are difficult conversations. And I'm so grateful to you for the opportunity to allow us to do that today. So thank you so very, very much. I'm deeply touched and thank you for reading the book and really touching on some of the key points. It means a lot. And I hope people got great takeaways. Thank you for doing what you do every single day. Thank you. I do appreciate it as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Why don't you do us a favor and share this podcast with a friend or colleague? The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantsNetworks.com. Hi, I'm Nick Narani, founder and CEO of Immigrant Networks. Listen, if you're an immigrant or an international student looking to find a job and expand your network in Canada, Immigrant Networks is for you. Immigrant Networks, we say networking to get working. It is a community built by immigrants just like you to help you overcome one of the biggest challenges that immigrants have when they come here, and that is finding and retaining a job. Visit our website today and get matched within days with someone from your profession and learn and grow. Immigrant Networks, networking to get working. Music provided by bentsound.com.